Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Security Token Show, episode 30. I'm your host, Hurry Konings, and of course, I'm here joined by Kyle Sondland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the episode. This week, we're talking about continuous securities offerings. And so we're going to be diving into a brand new twist on what this feature of a security token offering might look like, which offers the value of an ICO by decoupling the equity with their revenue and is offered in the form of a security token. But before we get into that, we like to start with our Company of the Week segment, followed by the News and Industry segment, the STO updates, and then the market update before we get into our main topic. So for this week, Herwig, I'd love to hear what your Company of the Week is. Absolutely. Uh, another great week for security tokens. This time, I'm going to give out my award out to Consensus. Now, I'm sure everybody listening has already heard of this blockchain software company founded by the co-founder of Ethereum, as well as an ex-investment banker, I believe, with Goldman Sachs, Joe Lubin. And he's a, a rumored billionaire. He's been investing in the space for a long time. I believe Consensus was started in 2014. And they've been working with organizations, corporations, governments all around the world, focusing on powering Ethereum-based blockchain solutions. But now the firm has specifically shown uh, an interest in the security token space, but to date supposedly is mostly stuck to consulting role while developing out what is known as their CodeFi issuance platform. Well, last week, Kyle, the company made a big move in the space by acquiring a broker-dealer, which will allow them, of course, to advise and broker what they are targeting as tokenized municipal bonds. So I think this is a big deal for two reasons, Kyle. The first is that consensus is, of course, seen as a major force in the cryptocurrency and blockchain world. And the fact that they have publicly stated their increased focus on STOs with this acquisition will make the crypto world, of course, further recognize the promise of the technology, while, of course, also exposing it to institutional, government, and corporate organizations that are already frequently meeting with consensus. Additionally, I think this move also is a big deal because it showcases yet another great asset class that can be tokenized. No other company has formally announced a focus solely on the $4 trillion municipal bond market. And although highly popular investments, muni bonds, if you will, frequently succumb to clerical errors, late repayments are common, and because authorities rarely issue debt in denominations smaller than $5,000, the secondary market for municipal bonds is relatively small and inactive. Therefore, of course, security tokens can make the asset class more accessible, more efficient, and more liquid in that regard. We'll look out for some news regarding some high-profile muni bond STOs that I'm sure are already in the works over at Consensus. Congratulations for winning my security token company of the week. That's awesome. Consensus, we know they're very well-funded. They're a great organization. Love muni bonds. I've explored a couple of interesting debt use cases there before in the past and, and couldn't agree more with that being your company of the week. Transitioning into mine, I'm giving it to a security token issuer that made some announcements this week, and that is from Flit Property Investment, F-L-Y-T, Property Investment. 
And Flit made the announcement that they will be launching an Ethereum-based token that will be representing shares in the Flit Hospitality Fund, which is a fund of real estate properties based out of South Africa. Ooh. And so they're launching this token. It's, a, it's based off of a Section 12J company, which in South Africa means that the investment is 100% tax deductible for the locals of South Africa, encouraging regional investment. And the firm is raising $2.5 million to invest in hotels and hospitality properties in the South Africa area. And so I'm really excited about this company because I think it's great to see more and more countries getting involved in the tokenization process and opening global opportunities for investors to participate in local businesses. And so they're opening the door for South Africa to enter into the fray. And they really deserve a shout out, I think, for paving the way because, you know, in any new market, the first movers there, they have the most difficulty in, in establishing themselves and establishing the technology and the adoption in their local jurisdiction. And I think that they deserve a big shout out for that. Real estate especially is a great use case that seems to have many case studies already and can be an opportunity for some of these new entrants into the market to give it a go without necessarily feeling like overwhelmed as to when considering more complex structures that are, are not quite as well established, especially in, in those regions. And so as this offering matures, I will have more info on the terms and the investment plan and things like that. And I'm absolutely going to keep you updated accordingly. But until then, I'm going to be cheering from the sidelines and, and congratulations to Flit for, for leading the way in South Africa. Absolutely. Great choice, Kyle. We've seen real estate tokenized offerings across the world, Germany, London, U.S., obviously, even in Japan and, and other parts of Asia. Now we can add South Africa to that list. That's awesome. You can now really, truly get exposed to real estate globally thanks to security token offerings. And congratulations to Flit for making that possible in South Africa. Good luck, good luck to that offering. I'm looking forward to learning more, Kyle. Absolutely. And with the interoperability between all of these offerings and the, the exchanges and, and marketplaces that are, are continuing to, to sprout up, all of these offerings around the world will be investable for all investors around the world, which is fantastic. And, and you know, the opportunity to invest in South African real estate isn't something that's commonly afforded to certainly investors here in America, let alone other places of the world. And, and so vice versa for those South African investors who may want to participate in, in other real estate or, or other markets. So it's incredibly exciting. But with that, I think it's time to jump into our industry news. Herwig, go ahead and lead us off. I've got a lot of great updates for us from last week here, but I'm going to start off the news cycle from an update from the SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, who's seen as the friendliest of the five commissioners towards the crypto and blockchain industry as she actively protests against the Bitcoin ETF rejections over the last few years. And now the commissioner has made headlines by outlining a safe harbor that could help ICOs with a new three-year window to help themselves reach, quote-unquote, sufficient decentralization. As the word safe harbor suggests, it would give ICOs, quote, breathing room to develop their networks and communities before having to worry about the regulatory regime, end quote. The commissioner also announced the plan last week in, in Chicago uh, at the International Blockchain Congress. So this is all relatively new. And But, you know, there is a proposal out there. You can go look it up in the Coindesk article that we have listed in our description from wherever you're listening to. But in a nutshell, this gives ICOs a three-year grace period from their very first token sale in order to achieve a level of decentralization sufficient to pass through the agency's securities evaluations, including, of course, the famous Howey test, which the U.S. Supreme Court uses to distinguish between securities and non-securities today. 
This is a direct acknowledgement from the commissioner that some token sales does have security-like qualities in the beginning, but then go on to remove those traits through decentralization, such as cases like Ethereum, EOS, and the YouNow Props token sale that we've seen already. If adopted, this would mean ICOs will essentially have free reign again, like in 2017, including, <laughs> by the way, secondary trading in its current proposed free state. Reign. But of course, does not mean <laughs> the ICO is immune to fraud and other rules that the SEC will, of course, come after you for. So this is an effort to, of course, make it possible to, to make ICOs more friendly again in the U.S. And the safe harbor would be extremely relevant to existing projects like Kick and Telegram, which currently have SEC enforcement actions against them. And also XRP, which its development company Ripple is currently being sued for selling securities, even though at the same time, the company is also considering an IPO. Note, of course, that this is currently just a proposal and must be adopted by the SEC and voted on by the majority of the commissioners. This would be, though, the biggest change in U.S. policy towards ICOs in history if it does get adopted and certainly will make things very, very interesting again in the cryptocurrency world. I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's really great that we're continuing to push these bills through, at least into the spotlight, and forcing regulators in the U.S., outside of the U.S., in specific jurisdictions, in local regions, wherever, to at least acknowledge that these things are real and there needs to be some kind of clarity here. It seems like this one's probably a long shot, like some of the other bills that we've discussed. But again, the more that we can bring it up, the more we can make these relevant case studies and the more solutions we can propose to at least give some kind of guidelines for regulation to base it off of, based off of the, the, the previous bills that have been placed, I think is great news. It's fantastic. And kudos um, to Hester Pierce for putting herself out there like this. And, and you know, certainly I'm sure that some of her other fellow colleagues aren't quite as supportive of this space. And so, you know, putting yourself out there and really, you know, offering a solution that's very progressive, I think is fantastic. We'll, we'll see their reactions. She's the, one of the newest commissioners on the block, only two years in her spot. But, uh, you know, as you said, she's making waves. No pun intended. <laughs> Next up, uh, we have a leading issuance platform, Securitize, picking up yet another strategic investor, this time from Sony Financial Ventures. The company has publicly raised over $26 million to date, including from blockchain strategics like Coinbase, Ripple, and Blockchain Capital, but also from banking heavyweights like MUFG, Bank Santander, and many more. Sony obviously also has a strategic interest in the technology, which is, I think, another awesome validation, of course. And per their press release, Sony says that its objective is to contribute to Sony Financials Group's existing businesses and new business creation initiatives, as well as, of course, to generate financial returns from its investment. I think this could be a hint that through the securitized deal, Sony may eventually look to tokenize certain aspects of its business operations, though that is, of course, not clear. It would be exciting stuff, though, because I would love to be able to invest in a specific unit of Sony, like the PS5 or Sony Pictures or something like that. Yeah. And this could definitely lead the way to that, some kind of opportunity. So congratulations to Securitize for that. And of course, awesome to see Sony jump into the foray. In the beginning of December, we saw an announcement from Horizon Globex announcing a 5 million Series A round, which they uh, are still currently raising, but they want to say with an update that they've received a lot of enthusiasm, including an undisclosed investment by Element, which is a publicly traded company focused on the mineral sector, which could be a hint as to what type of offerings we may see from that company from, from Horizon in the future. 
And in addition to this announcement, the company also said that they will have a new chief strategy officer, James Haft. James is, of course, a well-known individual in the blockchain community. He put together Crypto Mondays and is part of the advisory firm Crypto Oracle. The Horizon fundraise is, by the way, a traditional sale, not an STO. We will (laughs) eventually look out for, of course, their, their closed sale announcement. Moving on, we have a new exchange on the block, Kyle, the GMEX Group, which is a leader in digital business and technology solutions for exchange and post-trade operators, and the Digital Partners Network, which is a group of professional services firms meeting the demands for digital businesses enablement. They're both pleased to announce the launch of the Seychelles-based Securities, Commodities, and Derivatives Exchange, aka the SecDex. This marks the second company out of Seychelles, which, by the way, is a very small island off the west coast of Africa, to develop an exchange supporting digital oh, east coast. By the way, my bad. To develop an exchange supporting digital securities and STOs, the f- first exchange that's there is a little more well-known. Merge. We've talked about them a lot. They're currently live with their own offering, an own STO for up to four million, which will be the first listed STO in the region. The SecDex, however, will not only offer security custody for digital assets but also has a borrowing and lending platform called Linked for such assets. The investment platform also offers the ability for Pan-African small and medium enterprises to raise capital through project funding and invoice factoring, plugging the SME financing gap across the sub-Saharan Africa. SMEs are able to raise equity or debt through tokenization or traditional listings on the SecDec exchange, just like with the merge. And the current plan includes initial STOs to be primary listed on the end of Q1 and initial secondary trades to be executed by the end of Q2. Wow. SecDec utilizes the GMEX Fusion hybrid centralized and blockchain distributed ledger technology suite, which is deployed and trusted by multiple international regulated financial institutions, according to the press release. Harander Misra, the chairman of GMEX Group and the SecDex Group chairman, also commented, SecDex is the first regulated market infrastructure in the world which can exchange this both tr- traditional and digital asset classes, including securities, security tokens, cryptocurrencies, derivatives, and commodities all on a single platform with full professional services support combined with seamless trading, clearing, and settlement of those individual asset classes and swaps between them. He added that the SecDex ecosystem can uniquely facilitate the global interchange of traditional digital asset classes in line with how markets need to evolve, as well as enable the provisions, of course, of SME finance across Africa. So I don't know how how much truth there is to them, of course, being the first regulated market to do that. But regardless, I think it's always a great thing. Super cool to see this region grow, specifically both for Africa as well as Seychelles, seeing a little competition, maybe a nice healthy competition. It'll certainly be an interesting comparison between the Merge and the SecDex since they're both located there. We have some more news from an exchange, Archax, which last uh, episode I, I announced that they are supporting Volk uh, issued tokens. And now they have announced a partnership with Polymath to also support listing ST20 tokens. So these are, of course, the, the, the tokens being issued on Ethereum today by Polymath. Uh, they've done several issuances already. So I'm hoping we get a glimpse as to what some of those listings for Archax could be. But we also talked about the Polymesh uh, white paper last week, which is the native security token blockchain being built by Polymath. Uh, And we also announced that through the Polymesh, you'll be able to 
very basically take your ST20 tokens and convert them over to Polymesh. So presumably Archax will eventually support those native tokens as well. Of course, more liquidity options for ST20 tokens are always great. And Archax is supposedly poised to go live later this year. So I'm very eager to see all of this come together. Finally, of course, last week, talking about Polymesh, uh, the, the topic of purpose-built security token blockchains, I made a statement that I, you know, at the time I was only aware of Polymesh as the only custom-made blockchain dedicated to security tokens. Well, thanks to our wonderful community, they let me know that there's also WeOwn, which is an issuance platform that also developed a dedicated blockchain. So congratulations to that team, which is spread across Europe. And the company also recently released a new demo of how we own security tokens can trade on their peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. It's a great video describing the benefits of a purpose-built blockchain for security tokens in the example of peer-to-peer -peer trading. So please check that out if you're interested. And finally, we mentioned in the last episode that we were selected as finalists for the Security Tokens Realized event, which held their annual awards. And although we did not win, I do want to congratulate all the other winners in no particular order, starting with the judge's favorite investment bank PE fund or, or fund, Embracing Digital Securities, which was CoinStreet Partners. The next award was the leading existing exchange in moving towards digitization of securities, and the winner for that was the Merge Exchange. The next award was for the biggest contributor to leading institutional adoption of digital currencies, which was awarded to Tokeny Solutions. The next award was the most innovative use of tokenization, which was the Bitbond STO. The most promising STO winner was the World Bank Bondi Bond STO. And the most progressive legal firm winner is the CMS. The biggest contributor to the adoption of digital securities is BlockPass. And finally, the leader in the creation of a secondary market for digital securities is Archax. The next event for Security Token Realize seems to be scheduled for the 28th of May in San Francisco. You can already start getting your tickets now. The link is in the description for wherever you're listening to. Congratulations to everybody who won. I heard it was a great event. And maybe we'll see you in May in San Francisco. And that's it. That's all the news I have for you this week. I'm excited to pass it over to Kyle and hear about the latest STOs. Let's talk about some STOs. The first one we have is Genobank.io. And Genobank is a startup who's raising a million dollars for a DNA testing kit and platform leveraging blockchain technology to secure the data and ensure its privacy throughout the cloud storage and analysis. And so they compare themselves to a 23andMe or an Ancestry.com, but leverage a lot of, of new technology for advanced security and advanced analytics as well. And so the company is raising its financing round through the crowdfunding platform Republic, where they have currently raised 185K, smashing through their soft cap of $100,000. And the underlying asset is a safe, which is a simple agreement for future equity, which is the traditional way to do it in a crowdfunding sale, which is, entitles investors to the equity of the company once the crowdfunding event is complete. There is no mention of the security token on the crowdfunding page, but the CEO, Daniel Uribe, confirmed on Twitter that the company will be using Securitize for the tokenization process. And in addition to that, they will be looking to list their offering on exchanges world and marketplaces worldwide. And so the, the deadline for the STO is March 14th, 2020. So there's 32 days left. They've raised $185,000. And you can check on republic.co for the Genobank offering 
You can also find it in the links in the description of wherever you're listening. You can also find it on stlmarket.com slash news where we post all of our news before we comment on it on the podcast. And we have many users that post their own company news and, and noteworthy information as well there. So definitely go check it out if you're interested. And we also have a second STO. This one I don't quite have as much information on, but this is from Black Manta Capital, who we, we gave Company of the Week very early in the podcast and they're an issuance platform and they announced that they have plans for a new STO. And so as a former Company of the Week, they are based out of Luxembourg and are kicking off their 2020 with a new real estate security token in Berlin that they announced will be coming live in the coming days. There is no real information on the specifics of the asset or the terms of the deal, but again, they have announced an upcoming STO on their LinkedIn. And so the link is in the description. If you want to pre-register for the STO, you can give your information and, and I guess be, be sent your, the, the news as it comes out. But if you're interested, check it out. Also, you can listen on the podcast. I'm, I'm certainly going to be up to date with that information and will give you anything I hear Uh, in the coming weeks about that. So that's fantastic. And then finally, our other security token was from Flip Property Investments, and we discussed that earlier in the episode. Moving forward into the market update, we had a very interesting week over the last week. The total STO market cap is now 66.2 million, up 15% from the 53 million last week. Right. As you can imagine, most of that market cap, as usual, is from T0, who had a crazy week this week. This for the better. And so after falling to a local low of around $1.16 last week, the token bounced back considerably, bouncing the next day back to $1.30 and rising over 50% on Thursday to a $2.29 high in its closing on Thursday afternoon, which is its highest price since September 3rd, 2019, five months ago. Wow. In addition, the company has had over $130,000 in trading volume this week alone. And so the price settled around $1.80 to close the week. And as of today, which is Monday, February 10th, the price is sitting around the $2 mark. So it's holding that $2 range, which again, it hasn't seen since October and hasn't closed above the $2.29 since September. So it does seem like investors are getting pretty excited to see what T0 has in store. Recently, they announced their investor letter, I think last week, that mentioned that they're looking to add new assets. They're looking to go live with their own broker dealer and a few other pieces as well. And it seems like investors are responding very positively to that news. Re- really promising for T0, Kyle. I mean, it's not just one thing for them to, to hit an all-time high for such a long time, but with $130,000 in volume, that's a serious uh, validation for this security token. It's really, really great to see. To put that into context, $130,000 in trading volume is more volume than every other security token has had combined in the history of their listings. So T0 had about $5 million of trading volume in 2019, but just this week, it, it outsold every or outvolumed, I guess, every every other security token. So they they really are the the bulk of the market, and they're they're still a dominant player. And 130k is, is tremendously more than they get in a traditional week. So the fact that the price is going up, there's huge volume. It does show there's a lot of activity. And again, it's not just accredited investors. Every other security token is still accredited U.S. investors. T zero because of the Rule 144 exemption that they're leveraging. 
non-accredited investors can buy and sell this this token freely. And so, you know, this is this is poised for for an interesting couple of months as we we continue to onboard more assets. Hopefully. All all exclusively traded on the dinosaur partner uh, marketplace. So exactly. Very, yes, very cool. they're leveraging dinosaur financial services. Hopefully, in the future, they can open their own. In terms of other tokens, Realty's real estate tokens on Uniswap have also had a pretty notable week. The Autobahn Road property has been on a crazy hot streak. It's up 20% in the last week and a half, or two, week, two and a half weeks, rather. Um, Marlowe Street, its first issued property, was following suit, but this week it experienced a significant sell-off, down, down 15 or 20% itself in the same time span. And then finally, their third property, Fullerton, has maintained a pretty steady price. Um, they all kind of range, but the Audubon property, I think, is around $86 a share. Marlowe's around $70, and Fullerton's at around $160 a share. And so it's important to remember that despite the price changes on these tokens, all three are still paying their double-digit rental income. So the price change really isn't quite as painful as you'd have with a straight equity token, right? Because, yeah, the price goes up and down, but the, the dividend, I think, is why a lot of the holders are excited about these tokens. And so if you're taking your 11 to 13%, um, per year in rate. I think a lot of investors are happy with that. And then the equity bonus is just a just a, an added bonus, I think, at that point. Certainly, I don't think the volume behind it justifies that there's actively secondary trading uh, gains that are people going for right now. So I, I tend to agree with that. And initially, that is the, the value proposition. So I think that's about right, Kyle. And then finally, Open Finance, unfortunately, has, has had zero trading volume in the last couple of weeks. There's nothing to report there. Um, but again, we're still monitoring that and the prices are live, all of them on stomarket.com. You can see all live tokens there. Moving forward into our main topic, we have a, it's inspired by this, this brand new company launching what they call a continuous securities offering. And so Herwig, this San Francisco based startup raised 1.2 million in pre-seed funding Offering or seeking to provide a platform to allow investors to invest in a company's future revenue instead of their business equity. This company, of course, I'm referencing is Fairmint. And so the goal for Fairmint was to bifurcate the company's revenue from their equity value. And this stems from the lack of success of many of the 2010s era startups that have now entered the public markets and not succeeded, like WeWork, Uber, or most recently, Casper. And so Fairman CEO Thibault Favre believes that he has found a happy medium between ICOs, which were too founder-friendly, not providing investors with any real protections, and straight equity, which he argues is too investor-friendly and puts too much stress on the business um, and is unfair. And so let's break down you know, his vision for how a C CSO would work according to Fairman, again, a continuous securities offering. And so let me break it down for you. The first step here is that when a company decides to launch a CSO, they first stake a percentage of the company's future revenue into an escrow account for a set period of time. So for the sake of example, let's say you want to stake 10% of the future revenue of the business for the next three years. At, the sake, at this point, they conduct the token sale, which essentially they allow the investors to buy the token, which represents a share of the 10% over the next three years. From there, the initial price per token will be calculated by a proprietary algorithm that bases the size of the reserve as well as other factors. And then from there, it will be traded freely between investors on Uniswap exchange based off of market demand. So Uniswap, already live, already trading security tokens. 
we've seen this happen before. And the price per token obviously will, will base on market demand of how much revenue you think this company can generate over the next three years. The token also has a built-in redemption price, which is determined by another algorithm, which is based on the revenue change over time, which allows investors to see what essentially the par value of the investment is at any given time, which provides a theoretical book value in which investors can use to evaluate the token's future potential. Right? So you're saying, okay, look, at the bare minimum, I can exchange this right now for $20. So at the very least, this token should be $20, and at least it gives that kind of price floor so that investors can then, can then base the, the rest of the price off of instead of an ICO where it's just kind of something random and it goes wherever. No, we have some kind of base set here. And again, the company raised the money, so they likely would need to have a reserve just in case you know, some, some people want to exchange this token. Um, and I'm sure that there's pieces that they've already weighed out. And then finally, at the end of that three-year period, right? So we had 10% of our revenue over three years. At the end of the three-year period, the company is obligated to purchase all of the outstanding tokens back from investors at the face value of the last token issued at the beginning of the offering. So if you have 10% of your revenue over three years, let's say you sell it for $20. At the end of the three-year period, the company is then required to buy all of those tokens back, all of the outstanding ones that haven't already been redeemed. They're, they're, they are required to buy all of those back for that initial price so that, again, investors have that kind of base value, that face value, if you will, for that initial token. And so it's incredibly, incredibly interesting. And Herwig, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on how this, where this is going. You know, I think it's an awesome idea. Um, and I think you get a great overview, Kyle. So thank you for that. Uh, but honestly, I think the name in itself is actually a little misleading. You know, the concept of the CSO is, is really the same as a revenue-based offering, other than the fact that it's not permanent or continuous in that regard. In fact, maybe something like a fixed revenue offering or something along those lines would be a better uh, nomenclature. But I think it's a, a novel concept in, in regard because, as you suggested, Kyle, these specific parameters do make it easier to evaluate the potential value, making it seem much closer to a fixed income-like instrument than a high growth opportunity for investors. Uh, which, you know, he, in this regard, I, I think Thibault is looking at equity as that option with the, the CSO in the middle as that kind of hybrid and, of course, debt as that sort of completely uh, fixed type income instrument. So I, I do also agree with you, though, that it, it, it's maybe slightly flawed in the sense that you're probably going to need really strong disclosures, maybe even real-time KPIs to get insight on what kind of pricing and the revenue is doing. And I would go as far as to say that startups and, and very early-stage growth businesses may not even be a good fit for the model unless they can show consistent track record of growing revenues and maybe even at a certain volume, like a million-plus in revenue. In this case, I'd say that this so-called CSO is still absolutely an STO, but it is a nice twist on the model, kind of like a safe note, if you will. And I'll be very curious to see what type of CSOs they launch with and how investors ultimately end up reacting, because it is definitely novel in that sense. It is a bit of a hybrid. It is, if you will, a little bit more complex from an investor perspective, as opposed to just getting a percentage of revenue permanently, getting a percentage of equity, or on the opposite side, essentially determining what your potential uh, yield might be based on the risk associated with the debt or bond offering. In this case, you get a nice little hybrid in between, but I think they've done a lot of uh, 
strategy and thought into into this to determine, okay, how can we help price this with markets? As I think you might have mentioned, this is also a DeFi type opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that regard, you know, they they have a bit of a different mission than say right. a, a lot of these other issuance platforms, which are more focused on just the traditional STO process. And like you mentioned, they're using Uniswap. That's where the realty tokens trade. So it seems like they've already found a compliant decentralized exchange to work with. So for a company that you know is brand new on the map, it seems like they have put together the resources, the strategy, the partners, and everything else needed in between to go live. So again, I'm, I can't wait, Kyle, till till we hear your updates on the CSOs that Fairmint will be launching in the future. Yeah, for those who are out of the loop, this is one of the newest revelations coming out of the the DeFi community. DeFi stands for decentralized finance, which seeks to totally cut out centralized parties from the financial industry by building infrastructure that fully relies on smart contracts and blockchain technology to provide the accountability and reliability that centralized parties like investment banks and financial service providers would traditionally contribute in a legacy system. And so that's why they partnered with Uniswap, the decentralized exchange designed to create this DeFi ecosystem that still follows global securities laws. And it's the, as you said, the, the exchange that powers liquidity for, for realty as well. And so this company believes that the revenue is a much more productive incentive mechanism for businesses, which I actually totally agree with. Not only is it much easier to evaluate and apply a multiple compared to equity valuations that we've seen kind of blow up over the, the last five or 10 years, but I also believe it's a much more sustainable model as it encourages companies to focus on making money instead of the traditional VC loss leader model, which kind of aims to starve out healthy businesses until they can monopolize that industry. The other thing that I think is incredibly interesting about this token offering is the the time length, the expiry date. And, and so the fact that we can issue a security token that has that has buyback clauses built in and allows for all these flexible financing rounds and debt instruments that, and, and really fancy and complex debt instruments, kind of like this, as you mentioned, it is kind of a fixed income sort of structure here. It's fascinating and it kind of solves some of those problems. You know, we've talked about early stage companies and how maybe it doesn't make sense to have their equity live on public markets from day one, just because there's no disclosures, there's potentially no revenue, and there's no way to value it. So you're gonna have all kinds of crazy volatility as some investors are trying to get out and some investors have no idea what what to value this thing off of. And this kind of provides an opportunity for some of those companies to potentially raise some capital. They don't maybe don't need to raise five, 10, 20 million, but they can raise a couple hundred thousand dollars based off of the idea that they're going to be able to make some of that money back in that time frame and be able to pay investors back almost like a bridge loan or something like that in an interesting structure. And then you take that DeFi aspect of it and you, you have no centralized party here. You keep the costs very low. You make it a very efficient market. And, and I'm excited to see how this thing this opens up. But I think you hit the nail on the head that this is a security token. This is absolutely a security token. This is an asset-backed token offering. Um, it's obviously it's a different form than an equity offering or a straight debt offering. This is this is something slightly different, but it still falls under our umbrella. I'm excited to see what happens, and, and I will absolutely keep you updated 
on their offerings in the future. Yeah, I think you made an interesting point about adoption there. You know, you got from one side of the perspective, it's kind of like a new model. Again, I kind of referenced the safe note. It could be a new way for, for entrepreneurs or investors to get exposed to something that's not as high risk as traditional equity, but isn't as, as limiting as, say, a, a debt instrument. And at the same time, as you suggested earlier, Kyle, this could be a whole new model for a specific type of business. In the case of Casper, I think it's a great example, right? The equity value may not be worth as much because at the end of the day, it's, it's still losing money. But if they're able to offer something that investors will get exposed to top line revenue while the equity grows and the business continues to grow and they, they have something that necessarily is something that they want to offer to investors a little bit more attractive than, say, a, a debt offering or, or a bond offering, a corporate bond, well, then perhaps the CSO or, or FRO, if you will, uh, might be a, a better option. So again, super curious to see how the market, both from an issuer and an investor perspective, ends up adopting. Again, it is exactly one of those new novel concepts that only security tokens make possible because of buyback clauses, because of programmatic reserves, and all these different features that you can enable. Uh, I, I see something like a CSO, if you will, Kyle, in a traditional format, completely not working. Uh, so I, I, again, I, I'm excited to see how this comes to market. And I'm curious what you, our amazing and beautiful listeners, think about this model as well. Be sure to reach out to us. Let us know on Twitter, LinkedIn, our Telegram channel, or you know, connect with us directly at stomarket.com slash news. But that is all that we have for today. So thanks once again, everyone, for being a loyal listener. And I hope to catch you again next week. Talk to you next week.